This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Hey mamas, happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning back in for another episode. This week, I'm speaking with an amazing mom of five. Not only does she have five beautiful children, but one of them, her fourth born, was born with Down syndrome. This mama has learned how to juggle it all, but also save some important time for herself. She has always valued me time and has never let that falter. Listen in on our beautiful conversation about how she manages all of these wonderful little lives and how that extra chromosome has changed and influenced her family's life for the better. Here is Cassie. And remind me, where are you joining us from? So Salt Lake City, our neighborhood's um, East Mill Creek. So we're out of the city and in a suburb. Yeah. Are you familiar with Salt Lake? I've been up there. Um, I, I'm an actor. And so I was performing in a tour and performed up there, but um, haven't spent too, too much time up there. Okay. Okay. We were down in the city. So that's pretty much the only area I got to see. Okay. Okay. Bop in Salt Lake City. (laughs) Boom in Salt Lake City. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Do you have that brand new mall though? That was gorgeous. Or at least it was brand new when I was there like five years ago. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, just thank you so much for finding some time to chat. I, I'm not quite sure how you did it as you're raising five children. Well, <laughs> I've got a little tiny magic window in the afternoon where my baby is asleep and I can like get a couple things done. So, <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat instead of, you know, yeah, um, all the other million things I'm sure that you have. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, yeah. So you're, so you're juggling four beautiful girls and one very handsome and it seems like a huge helper boy um I actually saw on one of your Instagram posts that you said you've been buying diapers for 11 years straight and I just think that's crazy it's crazy (laughs) to me too it doesn't seem yeah yeah unreal so how do you and your husband do it how have you managed um I don't know that the plan was to ever have five. I think I knew that I always wanted at least three. And then I don't know, life just kind of unfolds. <laughs> you just, and just do what you have to do, you know, like, I don't know. You just step up to the plate when things, you know, and you just, you just do what you have to do. You're my first mom with this many children. So I just find it oh. <laughs> it's so, it's so interesting. Um, that's so funny because I don't think like five is a good amount but you know growing up in Salt Lake City there's a lot of big like Mormon families that have like I dated someone in high school that was one of 11 right exactly (laughs) which is like um it's that that is like crazy town to me but yeah and not only that but nowadays it's more uncommon to have that many children where back then yeah you know, it, it was, it was the norm, whether you were in a Mormon family or not. I mean, my mom came from, was it five? Why am I blanking? One, two, (laughs) four. So not too big, but same. My dad's family was big. It was like the, well, big to these standards, you know, Um, and I'm an only child. And even a lot of my friends have maybe like one sibling, two sibling. What do you find is the hardest challenge 
to in today's world raising five kids? I think um, the expectation that we have these days of extracurricular activities, like your kid needs to be involved in everything and do everything perfectly and exceed at everything. And I think that it's easy to get caught up into in, in that, you know, even for me, even though I kind of have perspective on it, I still think like, oh, my kids should all be in music and they should all be, you know, exceeding at, you know, whatever extracurricular activity they're in. And it's, it's just, I think, I think that's hard. And then I also think that, um, like spending one-on-one -on -one time with each of my kids is a huge priority to me. And it, it, it is hard. Like a lot of days I feel like I, um, I'm stretched really thin and I don't, I don't get to it all, but I just do what I can. And yeah. And then I think the world is just scary. Like raising humans in general is, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of unknown. And so and your youngest, how old is your youngest now? So 17 months? So Margo just turned 19 months. Mm -hmm. Last week. And then your oldest is 11? He's 11. He's a fifth grader. And he was 11. He turned 11 in October. Yeah. And so this is kind of off the cuff. I'm just realizing that I want to touch on this. But how have you, because you have such a wide range of children, how have you raised them? in this technology world was any of that really important to you as far as staying away from phones or internet connection or any of that i mean i feel like we're not quite there yet and i can see it coming as far as phones uh, my oldest does not have a phone and we want to kind of hold back on that for as long as possible um that um but as far as technology, um, I think that we, in our house, we don't do screens Monday through Thursday, and that just works for us. There's so many other things going on. Yeah, uh, I think the less technology is amazing and wonderful, but I think we're finding in the last few years that less is more for sure. Absolutely, and that there's just a fine line, you know. Um, so. I kind of like to go back to basics as much as possible. And instead of a game on the iPad, I tend to pull out the old school puzzles and board games and as much as possible, you know, and that's like in a perfect world. But of course, technology is intertwined in our everyday lives and you just have to be aware of it and smart about it. Yeah. And then maybe in a few years, we'll check back in when you have like, teenagers and you're trying to figure that out oh my gosh I know we actually do the gizmo watch for um like getting a hold of our kids what is that um it's a it's a watch that Verizon wireless offers and um you can call five different people and you can send like really simple texts like hi where are you or uh, come get me or like and you can program I think up to you know, I don't know how many. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And he, like, you can call like up to five people that it's pre-programmed. And then there's also a GPS in it. So you can kind of see where your child is and um, kind of like set parameters around the school and it'll alert you if your child leaves the school and is on his way home. So 
that that's kind of for me that kind of is buying some <laughs> some time yeah until totally. we get to the to the you know where we're where we're gonna have to cave and and get cell phones but yeah, no that's that sounds really really helpful because yeah even with a regular basic phone I mean there's only so many parameters that you can set really right that's- right yeah, and I'm kind of lobbying for like a, an old school flip phone when, <laughs> when our, our oldest, you know, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see. So let's go back in the other direction. What was life like for you before you went on this crazy journey and started to have a family? Um, let's see, my husband and I got married really young, um, well, young for the rest of the world. I mean, we, I was 22 and he was 24. We both grew up in Salt Lake City, but um, we moved away right after we got married and moved to the East Coast where my husband was finishing his undergrad at a small liberal arts school in, um, in Brunswick, Maine. I left like Salt Lake City for the first time in my life and moved to this little tiny town in Brunswick, Maine, where Brunswick is the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> living on this like very liberal, uh, liberal um, campus as one of two married couples. Whoa. So <laughs> we were like the weirdo Mormons, <laughs> one of two couples, like so young, but everyone was so accepting. And I mean, it's a really liberal school, you know, where like you've got like the vagina monologues the next week. And exactly. it's like, so I was pretty, I mean, that kind of whipped me into, you know, the real world pretty quickly. Um, I grew a lot that year. We actually stayed on the East Coast for five years. We went from Maine to actually six years. We went from Maine to Boston. Um, I actually went to photography school in Boston. So photography was kind of what I did before motherhood and what I still do, but I really spent most of my time um, shooting weddings up and down the East Coast. I went to photography school at the New England School of Photography in, in right in Kenmore Square in Boston. And it was amazing. I loved that experience. Um, and that kind of like started shaping who I am today as far as you know, seeing different, cult, like just the diversity in Boston and going to school in the middle of the city and um, started to shape more of my, you know, just perspectives on life and people and different backgrounds. And I really loved it. I fell in love with living in the city. Um, and then from Boston, we moved to Philadelphia where my husband, Jordan, um, got accepted to go to business school at Wharton. So we lived right in the middle of the city in Philadelphia. You got a full tour of the East Coast. I know, right? And so then we had Beckham, our first, um, during business school. And um, yeah, and motherhood began in Philadelphia. He was born in the oldest hospital in America, <laughs> right, oh, wow. right in cool. downtown Philadelphia. So and then at what point did you decide to make your way back to Salt Lake? Yeah, so then from Philadelphia, we moved to actually the Bay Area, California, where we were there for four years. Um, and we were doing, my husband, I I decided to stay home with Beckham. And um, my husband was working 
was doing investment banking. So he was pretty much MIA and I was a single mom. He was working 21 hour days. And um, I had my next two in California, Ruby and Eloise. And then at that point, at our four year mark in California, we had been gone from Salt Lake for 11 years. And my husband and some business school friends decided to start a company, um, an outdoor care, a, an outdoor gear company called Cotopoxy, hmm. and wanted to either like I remember them talking about whether they wanted to start it in Salt Lake or Colorado, like they yeah. like which city would you know the vibe would be right for the company. Yeah. And I never thought we would end up, I never ever thought we would move back to Salt Lake, truthfully. And I didn't really want to. It was just, I, you know, I grew up here. I loved living other places and I, I never thought we would end up in Salt Lake, but that opportunity came around and Jordan was really excited about it and really ready to not be working 21 hour days in investment banking. And, um, we, we took, we took kind of the leap of faith. It was kind of scary. Like, Oh, we're going to quit this secure job and mm-hmm. move to Salt Lake and start a backpack company. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> It felt like really irresponsible and kind of crazy, but we did it. And, um, it kind of, I felt like it was meant to be in a lot of ways because just a month or two after we moved home, where both of our families live, like his side and my side, and we're close with both sides and have a lot of support. We got pregnant with my daughter, Tessa. And then like a couple months later, it all unfolded that she, you know, had been, she was diagnosed with Down syndrome. And um, I had so much family support right at my fingertips for the first time in 11 years. And it just felt like it was meant to be that we were supposed to be back in Utah. Yeah. So if I'd been in any of those other cities, it would have looked very, very different. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so overall with all of your pregnancies and birthing experiences, how have they been similar or different? I think I've been so lucky with all of my pregnancies have been, um, I mean, compared to so many of my girlfriends that I feel like I've experienced their pregnancies. Um, I feel like I've been so lucky. Um, they've all been fairly easy. I've kept really active throughout all my pregnancies. Um, my first pregnancy, I actually ran a marathon, which is like, Oh my God. Crazy. And I never did it again. And I don't recommend it. I did get my doctor's approval on that, but I was 26 and I had been running my whole life and I had already been training for the Boston marathon when I found out I was pregnant. Wow. And I, we actually announced that we were pregnant. Like I wore a shirt during the marathon that baby all red 2008. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How long were you? I was 14 weeks along and we'd kept it from our parents who had come out to see me run the marathon. And so we were on the course and I come running up like it was mile 20 and my husband 
I was really slow, slower than my previous races. And I'd been running a lot of marathons, you know, for several years in advance. My parents and my husband's parents kept saying, she's so slow. Where is she? And oh. <laughs> it was like playing dumb. And then I come around the corner and I'm wearing this shirt. And my dad, I think, almost had a heart attack. He was like, you've got to stop running. <laughs> like they all just had a heart attack but it was really exciting that was fun but that was probably the most active pregnancy the other ones were you know more boring than that I I ran through all my pregnancies actually but um they were all really healthy and easy my pregnancy with Tessa my fourth pregnancy um I was under a lot of stress from receiving um, a Down syndrome a diagnosis at 20 weeks and so I didn't gain a lot of weight and I was really just I wasn't in a good place and I had a lot of depression so mm -hmm. that was probably my least healthy pregnancy not because she had Down syndrome pregnancies are really just typical just they feel typical and a lot of moms don't even know that their baby has Down syndrome. But um, for me, mentally, I was, I, I didn't have as healthy of a mental, you know, mental state. So I would love to dive in and talk about her a little bit. I mean, yeah. Tessa just seems like a little ball of joy with this contagious smile and the sense of humor. I mean, she seems really amazing. And to really have lit up your whole family um what is clearly you mentioned that you know getting the news was hard for you what was that whole experience like and and from getting the news to her birth and kind of bringing her back home into this world and how did that kind of yeah so we received news that tessa had down syndrome well at our 20-week ultrasound um you know, we had taken our three older children with us. And at the time, my oldest was five. And so I had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old in the ultrasound, you know, the tech room. And we were all like anticipating if it was a baby sister or baby brother. And I remember like the iPad was playing like Curious George. And it was just this, you know, my fourth pregnancy. So, oh yeah, like routine, like never in my wildest imagination did I think anything would ever you know be wrong or you know different in in my pregnancies like I was a pro at this point like number four you know yeah so um they they saw that you know Tessa had heart disease in the ultrasound they saw that there was some holes in her heart and that was kind of a red flag and then she had some fluid on her brain and so they knew you know they um they told us that you know they were pretty sure that something wasn't you know right and um at that point i i wouldn't leave until they gave me i wanted to get the an amniosynthesis right away i had to know what was going on they wanted me to go home and come back the next day and i said no you know, just do the test. I, I want to know, you know, I have to know. Mm -hmm. They gave us a list of things that they thought could, you know, possibly be, be different or wrong with her. So 
we stayed and I got the amnio, which, and if you, I mean, I'm sure you know what that is, but they take, you know, um, they put a needle in your uterus and they draw the amni, um, amniotic fluid out and then they are able to see her DNA and to be able to test her, um, to test her DNA. So I had the test done and 48 hours later, and I remember thinking like, well, it's not, it's not Down syndrome. Like there's no way it's that. And sure it's just you know she'll need her heart repaired and everything will be fine and I just still was just that was the last thing I thought it it could be so 48 hours later um it was actually my son's sixth birthday so I was getting ready for his birthday party that night and I got a call from the doctor the nurse and she um she just casually said hello like I have your results and your baby has down syndrome and I just just froze like the world stopped and I just I remember exactly where I was sitting and I just it was hard it was really hard I couldn't stop crying and I think I was screaming at one point it was just and I I think back to that day and I I feel so bad for that person I just I wish I had known what you know, what Down syndrome was. I was so, I was so naive to it. I had never known anyone with Down syndrome. I had never been around anyone, which is so sad to me because I would have had a completely different reaction, I think. Um, and, you know, even knowing what Down syndrome, knowing people with Down syndrome, you know, you no mother wants to hear that her child will have a disability and will have to navigate the world with a disability. That's never what you imagine your family will look like. Um, so there's always grieving there, but I, it was just, I was scared and I was so unsure of what her life would look like. I was, I remember being so scared for my other children, what it would make their lives look like and change how it would change their lives. Um, you know, and flash forward to, you know, almost five years in the future and Tessa brings like nothing but complete joy and happiness to our family every single day. Like she does not take a thing away from any of my siblings. Like she just adds love and light and compassion and so much laughter like she's so fun yeah I mean and your other kids just seem to love on her so much no and to them she's just Tessa like they you know we try to talk about down syndrome we keep that conversation ongoing and open all the time but like it's so beautiful to see what our what my children see like through their eyes Tessa is just a little girl and just their sibling who's also a lot of times annoying because she's the little sister like uh -huh. don't do my things or get out of my room like all the typical sibling right things you know mm -hmm. and it's refreshing like just to see them see her as just what what she is just a little girl and she has a disability but she's so worthy of being in this family and worthy of love and worthy of all the things that a little girl is worthy of one of my questions but I feel like you already answered it was how has your home changed with her in it but I mean yeah absolutely for the better um 
I think my kids have the gift of everyone has the gift of sort of growing up with a different lens, um, seeing people for what they can do instead of what they can't do. Um, acceptance and compassion and kind of like a natural gift that your kids have been given. Yeah. And they don't even know it, you know, they don't even know that that's a part of their story, but they'll forever carry that, you know, just, and I love going places with my kids and then pointing out someone with, you know, they'll say, Oh mom, that lady, I think she has special needs and they're so excited about it. They think it's so great that she's, you know, out doing whatever she's doing or it's, it's just, it's a gift. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't change Tessa's extra chromosome for anything really. I mean, it's, it's who she is. And Oh, that's a beautiful way to say it. I love that. Yeah. It's just, I, I just, I wouldn't change it for anything. She's, she's beautifully made and it, she adds so much goodness to the world. So for any mom out there who might receive news like that, now removed from it several years, what kind of advice would you give them in receiving that news and how to prepare? Oh, well, I do, I do talk with new moms with new diagnosis, um, new Down syndrome diagnosis, like every couple months, I'd say. And um, the people that I talked to when I was, you know, new to Down syndrome, they saved me in like, and I don't say that lightly. They made me realize that I was like, I could still find happiness. And I would just, we would just be a regular family and our child would have Down syndrome. And we would still be happy. And it sounds so silly to think that I thought we wouldn't, but it crosses your mind, you know? You just, it's so unknown. The unknown is so scary, but I would, I always tell a new mom that I think it's really important to feel all the feelings. I think grieving the child that you thought you were going to have, that typical life, the typical, you know, situation you I think it's so important to grieve that and to feel all the feelings and to feel angry and scared and sad and then and then accept it and get excited and reach out to the incredible community I've never I mean I I think of all of the people that I wouldn't know and wouldn't have the privilege of connecting with if it wasn't for down syndrome I mean it's brought so many friends and so many people into my life and it's just enriched enriched my life and best friends and and when I find another mom and they have a child with down syndrome it's like an instant connection it's like this oh you know you get it and it's this bond and it's unlike any other friendship it's just the neatest tightest knit community and I would say lean on that because it saved me so many times. Um, and it's just amazing. It's like this awesome secret club that you never knew you wanted to be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Well, I just love seeing your photography and the kids through your photography 
experiencing Tessa and I mean it's just it's amazing like her her smile it's just it like I said it's contagious and seeing your kids with her I I really do think it's a gift and of course there's going to be some sort of you know pain that you suffer through or sorrow that you as you mentioned, it's important to grieve because if you don't, then it'll just be, you know, bubbling within. But to see you now with all of your kids and the way that she lights up the house, I mean, it's just, it's really, really beautiful. Yeah, she's great. And, and, you know, there's no child is without challenges and, and, and issues and you know I feel I always say every single one of my child has special needs you know in one way or the other (laughs) it's just it's just that one can be seen on the outside yeah is obvious and it's known but I'm all my children will struggle life is hard and there's always things to navigate and Tessa will end up being my easiest because all of her issues are, you know, I can sort of, I can envision what they'll be in 20 years. And I can't really, I can't really see ahead to my typical kids and what, (laughs) in what 20 years will look like. And that's scary. So in a lot of ways, I mean, my husband says all the time, like, I wish all of our kids had an extra chromosome. (laughs) Well, it is true because in a way it's like you know what's going on with them and what's going on with yeah. mine it's like sometimes some kids can look you know perfectly quote-unquote normal typical and yeah. maybe they don't talk that much and they could have so many more mental issues going on that you don't even know about I mean it's crazy yeah I mean no human comes without you know a lot of a lot of abilities and a lot of disabilities yeah. so yeah yeah and with your most recent Margot June, who's who's just a cute little button, and mm-hmm. I loved seeing her and Tessa together in those pictures. They're just so sweet. Um, your son seems to have taken on such a sweet role, especially with her. He seems like a really good helper. Well, he's. I just lucked out with my boy. Like he's just a nurturer, and he just loves his little sisters so much, and especially that baby Margot. Like he just he just melts into a puddle when she's around and it it kind of I went back and forth I mean for a long time trying to decide whether to have that fifth and um I was really motivated by Tessa being an older sibling I just it felt like just deep in my heart I just felt like it would benefit her for her whole life to be an older sister. Absolutely. And I think not, you know, the youngest always maybe seems to have the coddling and then this and that, yeah. especially since she and has done. Tessa can't be the youngest. Yes. <laughs> that's so interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's so smart. Yeah. Yeah. So she, I mean, if it weren't for Tessa, I don't think Margot would be in this family, the baby, but I didn't anticipate how, what an amazing, just beautiful effect it would have on my oldest. Like, I think the, the age span, I'm thinking, oh man, like if we could just always have a baby in the house through the teenage years, like it would just soften everybody and just... (laughs) there's something about having a baby in the home that just everyone just sort of lets loose a little you know like 
a little less screaming or a little less, you know, they just sort of soften everybody and bring in this beautiful spirit. So anyways, no, we will not be having any more babies. That was, that was another one of my questions. Are you done? Or? <laughs> oh yeah. Medically impossible. Yep. We're done. <laughs> oh, so funny. How do you find that the older kids pitch in? They seem to be so involved. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a, they're young, they're little, you know, they're all just still learning. It's a daily you know, the daily struggle to get everybody to pitch in and do their part. And we're always working on that. Um, you know, we, I'm, our family doesn't look any different than any other one, you know, like get your, you know, make your bed and right. help, you know, Saturday chores. And, you know, we're just always trying to get everybody to participate. And um, I think we try to remind our kids that our family's a team, you know, like we're a team team all red and everyone has to kind of do their part and pull their weight and um I think it's it's a learning process yeah (laughs) an ongoing one it just seems like you and your husband have such a sturdy base you know that you've given these children and I think that's probably the most important yeah I think a family a family-centered life has always been what we both wanted and I think um we're lucky that our that what we want in life is aligned (laughs) and I think you know a good family foundation also starts with a good relationship with your spouse and keeping that strong and I mean that's an ongoing you know something to nurture every day too so and how is his business going has have the backpacks taken off yeah yeah he's actually not with Cotopoxy anymore but Cotopoxy is thriving especially in Utah and it's an awesome outdoor gear company oh that's great so fun to be a part of and um watching it grow and it's kind of sailing on its own now um that's awesome yeah now with another company, another finance company, kind of, he's got that entrepreneur blood and he's always sort of circling back. Yeah. Like what's next? What's next? So I let him kind of do his thing. (laughs) That's awesome. So my main question in all of this, because I really like to focus a lot on moms too, but is how do you take time for you? I mean, clearly you're in great shape and that goes way back to your marathon days and how, how do you make yourself a priority with this party that you have in the house every day? <laughs> yeah. 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 Seriously. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this topic. Um, I feel like I spend a lot of time on like self-help and nutrition and it's just a passion. I just really, I really love it. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I think taking care of yourself, you cannot take care of anyone until you've taken care of yourself and I'm like firsthand experienced that so many times that I just I make it a priority um exercise has always just been such a part of who I am my husband calls me his Labrador because I have to get outside (laughs) I have to have exercise or I just can't function (laughs) and who I am I just don't I don't, it's just truly who I am. So for me, getting up before my kids wake up and getting a run in or going to yoga or 
those two are most of how I spend my time running and yoga. And I, I feel like it sets my day up for, for success, honestly. Like if I don't get up a couple hours before my kids, I am just like a mean witch. <laughs> I really, I can't, it just, it sort of puts everything else, it, it, everything else sort of fall into place when I'm able to get up, have personal time, listen to some podcasts, you know, go to yoga or run on the treadmill or get a run in outside when it's not January in Utah. Yeah. Um, and that time is so sacred to me. It's when I meditate. It's when I think about my day and what needs to get done. And um, like I said, everything else sort of falls into place um, after that. And I can think more clearly and I'm just, I'm kind of an old woman. I'm early to bed and early to rise. Uh-huh. I'm just a huge believer in good quality sleep and waking up before your kids and sort of taking care of yourself. And that doesn't have to look like 10 miles on a treadmill. It can look like just some meditation and some journaling and some I don't know, some caffeine by yourself. Like it just doesn't even matter really. Just sort of routine, I think, is the number one thing that sort of keeps me going and keeps me sane. And um, yeah. That's amazing. I think it's so, so important. And especially with moms, it can be so hard because it's not about you anymore, but you have to dive back into that every now and then and make sure that it is so you yeah your mental sanity yeah yeah you have to kind of just carve out little windows and make it like a vital priority that um well and then I think it's really important too because you're setting up a good example for your children and showing them that physical exercise healthy diet good mental state are all really important priorities yeah absolutely yeah Oh, that's awesome. Well, I commend you because I know I don't have any children. I don't even have one. So I can't even imagine having five. But I think it's so important that you're taking that time for yourself. And it definitely um, feeds into every other part of your day. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So what are some of those podcasts off the top of your head that you listen to? Oh, let's see. Um, right now I am loving, I'm loving the feel good effect. Like I'm obsessed with her right now. <laughs> feel good effect. Uh-huh. Okay. The feel good effect is awesome. I always listen to good life, the good life project. Um, I've been listening to happier with Gretchen Rubin lately that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I love criminal because I just love crime stories. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There was one time, actually, I was on a drive with my husband and it was a, we were, it was later at night. So we, you know, we were kind of struggling to stay awake and I thought, Oh, let's put on a podcast, like a crime podcast. And it really It's good. Yeah. 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 Hidden brain by NPR is really good. That's just interesting. I'm, I love podcasts, honestly. Like they just, um, a, a really good health one that I, um, get a lot of great tips from is um, the Ultimate Health Podcast. Oh, I'm gonna have to check all of these out. These are also amazing. Yeah, Ultimate Health Podcast. It's um, Marnie Wasserman and Jesse Chavis. It's really great. 
I'm, I'm always getting everyone's podcast recommendations. So yeah, I'll definitely add those to my list. That's awesome. That, that, that's also what can keep you sane during like a, a big laundry pile, folding a big laundry pile right. or um, tackling a sink full of dishes is a good podcast. Yeah, exactly. I do that now. So I can imagine that. Uh, it's yeah. Really yeah. Kind of tune out a little bit yeah. and carry on. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, my last and final question for you, and you can answer it however you want, whether it's individual or it's all in one, whatever you prefer, but it is diving into the future. What's something that you want to tell your children now for when they are 18? Oh man. Um, I want my kids to thrive. I want them to know that I will always love them regardless, regardless of what they choose to be or do. I want them to always feel like I am a safe place for them to come back to, um, that I'm a constant. Um, I want them to feel happiness and a sense of fulfillment in whatever they choose to do I just and it doesn't matter I just want them to know that I will always love them for who they are um and yeah that our family's a constant and it's a place to that it, that it's never changing and that love is 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 never changing so yeah that's so beautiful I hope they like us I hope oh. you like them when they're 18 <laughs> I hope they want to come home for Thanksgiving and it's part of their motivation of having a bigger family is sort of envisioning that big Thanksgiving table and just saying, okay, it's going to be worth it. Cause there's just going to be, you know, <laughs> a lot of humans that all love each other in a perfect world. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I can't promise that they will around like 15, 16, but I think by the time you get to 18, yeah. it'll circle back. <laughs> I know. Friends as adults, that's for sure. I wasn't very friendly with my teenage siblings either so I guess (laughs) oh that's so sweet well thank you so much for taking time out of your busy busy schedule and your your you time and I really really appreciate it because I think it's really helpful for other moms especially with your little Tessa having down syndrome but just the way that you're able to manage five kids in the house is just really really beautiful and I think you're a perfect role model for that and you said earlier I don't know how interesting you know my life and my story is and I think it's amazing and I just I just applaud you the pumping podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms and I am your host I'm not yet a mama I'm a mama in training If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.